Welcome to the Gibraltar Heritage Trust podcast series. I'm Alice Mascareñas, and this time we bring you the first of three special podcasts commemorating the work done in Gibraltar during the Falklands War. This year marks the 40th anniversary of the Falklands War. Gibraltar was faced with an unparalleled situation of an event which took place 8,000 miles away in the South Atlantic when Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands on the 2nd of April 1982. The ship, the SS Uganda, was ordered to Gibraltar to be converted into a hospital ship. It was a mammoth undertaking, but the Uganda would sail from number 2 dock at 9 a.m. on Monday the 19th of April 1982, just 65 hours after it had arrived, now fully converted into a hospital ship. Our next three podcasts deal with this undertaking as we talk to the men who steered the conversion and Michael Sanchez who kept a diary of the war. But first, the Gibraltar Heritage Trust and the Friends of Gibraltar Heritage Society have commissioned a commemorative plaque as a fitting tribute to acknowledge the dedication of the dockyard workers and military personnel involved in the preparations and conversion of the ship that sailed from the rock. Trustee Ian Barestrino has been leading on this and he picks up the story. Back in March, April 2020, via the office of the chief minister, we were approached by a, an ex-sailor from Edgewood Hermes who was a young man uh, during the Falklands War uh, and we were told that in the United Kingdom all the ex-dockyards were considering at a planning stage at that time of erecting a plaque to commemorate the civilians, workers that participated in the preparation of the ships for Operation Corporate which was the task force to recapture the, the Falkland Islands. We were approached, uh, and they, uh, I was then chairman of the trust in 2020, and I made contact with this uh, gentleman, his name was Andrew Cave, uh, in UK, and we started talking what uh, the different doctors were doing. Uh, I tried to get information on the wording and what they were, the purpose behind the plaque, why uh, the doctors were doing it so that we could do it here. The, the reason that uh, the board of trustees uh, decided to go ahead with the project was that Uganda, SS Uganda, which was a, a P&O ship being used as an educational cruise ship in those days. The MOD requisitioned the ship. Actually, it was requisitioned when the ship was in Alexandria in Israel to be converted to a hospital ship. The first thing they had to do was get rid of the students that were on board and the teachers. So the ship sailed from Alexandria to Naples, offloaded students, and the MOD said, look, the nearest dockyard we have is Gibraltar. Rather than the ship having to sail all the way back to England, they send it to Gibraltar and have the conversion carried out in Gibraltar. So is that the only reason why Gibraltar was selected? Uh, I, I, I think so, yes. By what I've read on, on the, what happened and the logistics and the time factor. I mean, uh, things had to be done. The UK dockyards were already preparing other ships. I mean, Canberra was, was converted, was being converted to a troop ship. 
the Queen Elizabeth then as well was being considered and being converted. There was merchant ships, tags and everything that were being prepared for war, basically. Uganda was in the Mediterranean and rather than have it sail past Gibraltar to England to have the work done, it was, you know, diverted here. You asked me why uh, the significance of having a plaque unveiled in Gibraltar. Basically because Gibraltar was, was chosen to do it. Uh, the workforce in the dockyard was given three days to carry out the work, which was quite a major work, including the fitting of a um, helicopter landing pad uh, on the stern and the back end of the ship, converting a lot of the dormitories into wards, fitting out uh, with medical equipment which were flown out from UK, uh, preparing the accommodation for the medical staff, preparing uh, rooms for the injured, operating theatres, installing x-ray machines, and converting the ship from a commercial cruise ship to a, a Geneva Convention approved hospital ship, which made it sort of non-belligerent that it couldn't be attacked under the Geneva Convention. That involved painting the whole ship white, although not the whole ship, because the ship was partly painted in white already, so it made the job even a bit easier. Red crosses had to be uh, painted on the hull side, on the, on the upper, upper works, on the funnels, to identify it as a... And one, one interesting... Uh, to identify it as a what? As, as a hospital. hospital ship, yes, which is not a warship. It's a hospital ship which should not be attacked. It was there on a mercy mission because at the end of the day, it did treat and, and have both British military personnel and Argentinian uh, prisoners of war were treated on board uh, Uganda. The workforce in Gibraltar did a marvelous job. In 65 hours, they did all the work, turned around the ship and away she sailed to the uh, and the plaque, the purpose of the plaque is to commemorate the workers with the military personnel that were involved as well. Uh, and also not, not only Uganda, uh, a smaller ship, uh, HMS Heckler, which was uh, an oceanographic uh, survey ship, was converted to an ambulance ship and again painted in white. And the, So it wasn't now HMS Heckler, it was Heckler. One of the biggest tasks on board the Uganda was actually building a, a helicopter pad. Yes. Don't forget that when, when the dockyard here was advised that the Uganda was coming, I think it happened about three or four days before its arrival, uh, there weren't any uh, technical drawings of the ship's layout and anything available. And the local shipping agents uh, were MH planned supplied the dockyard with brooches that showed, you know, uh, tourist brooches of the ship that showed the layout of it so that the workers could start getting an orientation of what was what, you know, what was in deck one, what was in deck three, where was the engine room, where was, uh, and all that. And they used, you know, uh, advertising uh, brooches. A, a uh, tourism, yeah, a yeah, tourist yeah, brooches, yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, to get, start getting pre-planning, you know, to say, right, you know, we can enter the ship through here, we can, uh, you know, lower cargo, whatever, uh, on this point, and they use that, so... Do we have an idea of how many people were involved? 
because it wasn't just the dockyard, of course. No. Uh, the community at large was the involved. Community in large, actual workers on board uh, are recorded to be between three and four hundred people working throughout the sixty-five hours that the ship was here. There was all sorts. There was shipwrights building the the flight deck, the helicopter landing pad. There was painters painted the ship. There was electricians fitting out with special electrical equipment. Satellite communications had to be fitted on board, which wasn't available on Uganda. They had to fit so she could, uh, the ship could communicate with other ships in the task, task force. So all that was going on. At the same time, stores were being loaded, beds, uh, you know, medical equipment, medicines. 120 medical staff were flown from UK. Royal Navy, Wrens, nurses, doctors, surgeons, surgical equipment, everything was flown and being taken aboard while all the work was being done. As far as the dockyard personnel was concerned, we're looking about within three and four hundred people working. Then there was all the outside services that were being provided. I mean, uh, a lot of the uh, charity organizations in, in Gibraltar started collecting things like blankets. Uh, others were collecting paperback books and other books so that they could be taken on board so that the, the wounded soldiers, recovering soldiers, had a library on board of, of books. So uh, the whole of Gibraltar really got together in a way as we always do here. I mean, there's nothing, everybody comes out willing to help and trying to help. So the, the response from the general public was excellent. And one very important thing as well, don't forget that the dockyard workers had been given notice of redundancy because the dockyard was being closed and negotiations between the unions and the Ministry of Defence were ongoing. The unions agreed to put them on hold while all the work was being done, not to delay the, uh, or disrupt the work being carried out. So uh, everything fell into place and everybody was very compliant and uh, it went very well. I mean, a lot of appreciation and thanks was given by uh, the crew of the Uganda, the Ministry of Defence, to all the workers and everything. And basically that is why we want the plaque to be erected, because uh, for posterity in a way, so that people remember that 40 years ago, Gibraltar got together to, to make this possible. How do you describe what was achieved in, in Gibraltar in, in a few sentences? Personally, I was working in the dockyard. I wasn't in that department uh, or in that area of work. I was working in another area uh, and I, I continued working in the dockyard afterwards. If you analyze the kind of work that was carried out within 65 hours of the ship coming into the dock, uh, dry dock, and then sailing on, on the Monday morning, don't forget it was uh, Easter holidays as well. It was during Easter break. Um, what was achieved was unthinkable in a way to happen in a normal working environment. That kind of work would probably have taken between, in my opinion, between two to three weeks to complete and not 65 hours. Because things were being done as they went, because they, they, they hadn't been time to pre-plan, to prepare, accurate sort of drawings for distribution of weights and everything. Everything had to be done as you went along. I remember seeing, because I had the opportunity to go and see when the work was being carried out, seeing a huge five-ton weight 
being landed by a crane on top of the flight deck when it was finished to test its weight. And that was done while all of the other work was being done. Uh, there's also uh, a photograph that I've seen that once Uganda was sailing away from Jib, a helicopter was flown from another ship to land on it to test it as it went. So it was all done in a, in a rushed way, which is not in, in a normal ship repairing, ship conversion work. Time was a factor. So really, uh, what was done was phenomenal. And uh, what needed to be adapted, as I understand it, by some of the men that, are, mm -hmm. that I've spoken to, had to be worked out on the spot. Yes, yes. I mean, people were uh, working on in the ship, measuring bits of metal to support the underside of the, of the flight deck, uh, and they were cutting them there, welding them, everything done, rather than being done in a workshop with, you know, uh, proper measurements being taken and everything being done in a more controlled and relaxed, not relaxed, but in a more controlled way, which not in this condition. I mean, people were working 24-hour shifts to, to complete the jobs they were undertaking. There wasn't a case of, uh, uh, a tea break, uh, let's stop. No, I mean, things were done, started the job, you carried on, you did it, you finished it, then you moved on to whatever else you were sent to do within the ship. I mean, so... The Uganda did play a big part in, in, in the, in yeah. the campaign, in yes. the war campaign. Yes, it, 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 uh, I, I believe it took something like 16 or 17 days to sail down to the South Atlantic. And uh, the day after it arrived, it was already starting to take on injured soldiers from, from the Falkland Islands. And it was, she was there throughout the duration of, of the campaign. They also coordinated with uh, Argentinian ambulance ships uh, and hospital ships, mainly ambulance ships, to, to transfer injured Argentinian military personnel to Argentinian uh, hospital ships or ambulance ships which were then taken to Valparaiso for uh, land. Uh, so she was quite busy. And then once the Argentinians surrendered, she was again converted, but only with paint work. Uh, there was an, the flight that was kept on board. But the, the funnel, the chimney, was painted yellow. All the red crosses were removed, and she was changed from a hospital ship to a troop ship, because um, British troop ships traditionally always have had yellow funnels. So she had a yellow funnel and she was converted to a troop ship. And where was she converted then? No, it was paint job done by the crew and sailors on board. It was painting, painting over the red crosses and things like that. And the flag, because all the red cross ships have to fly the, the red cross flag. They don't fly the red ensign or the blue ensign or the Royal Navy flag, whatever, they fly the Red Cross flag. And those, uh, as part of the work done, uh, the Red Cross flags were made because uh, Uganda, uh, as a um, school ship, didn't have this, this flag on board. And they were made here in Gibraltar uh, by the, the sail loft, which was uh, where they made sails in the dockyard, but they made flags as well and they made the flags, the Red Cross flag for Uganda and for Hecla. When she was changed back to a troop ship, uh, this was in July uh, 82, sometime in July, uh, 
she took on board the Gurkhas that had been sent to fight in Falklands and some, uh, I believe it was ulteriorly regiments, uh, with all the medical staff that was aboard and she sailed back to UK. So she was involved from March till about um, March, April, when she sailed from Gibraltar in April, 19th of April. Uh, till I think it's around the 9th of August in 1982 that she returned to Southampton. So she was there for the duration. The plaque will be unveiled on the 19th of of April. When will it be on view for the public and how can the public see it? Well, it will be on view from the 19th of April. so exactly where is it located? The, it will be done on the city walls next to the entrance to Ragged Staff Tunnel, which is where the old dockyard North Gate used to be before it was demolished. Um, so it will be on the, on the city wall there, located there. I think it's important to point out, Ian, as well, that the, the, the trust works very much for the recognition of our historical sites. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, one of the, the functions of, of uh, the Heritage Trust is to keep our heritage alive. It's so that future generations uh, know and are aware of what happened and what we did and what was done and in Gibraltar and why uh, it makes us who we are. I mean, the Heritage Trust, one of our functions is to bring to people's awareness and notice uh, the importance of our heritage. Now, our heritage is who we are and where we came from and where we are going. So it's very important that future generations or even visitors to Gibraltar know what our past was and why and how we are who we are. This is one of the things that the, the, the um, trust tries to impress on, on people, that it is important to preserve who we are and what we are. I mean, the plaque uh, we've been talking about is an example, is it? so that future generations or people who, who visit us can see that what was done and why it was done. So and that Gibraltar played an important part and in the Falklands War. Important part. Our thanks to trustee Ian Balestrino. Next time, we're joined by some of the men involved in the conversion of the Uganda into a hospital ship. This podcast series is presented and produced by me, Alice Mascareñas, as a trustee, together with Chief Executive Claire Montado for the Gibraltar Heritage Trust. Original music is by Guy Valarino. The Gibraltar Heritage Trust offices can be found at the main guard at 13 John McIntosh Square. Opening hours, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can contact the Trust on 200-428-44 or check out the website, gibraltarheritagetrust.org.gi. Until the next time, keep a watchful eye on heritage.